Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed, and we've got a great guest today, and we are with C. Lee Smith, who's the founder and CEO of Sales Fuel, and we're going to get an opportunity today to really learn the keys of hiring great people, and one of the things that uh, Lee says, and I think it is, is true, is coachability, uh, trainability is something that is highly desirable. And all of us, of course, in the training field will greatly appreciate that. Lee, let's just start off with a very simple question. Um, what should people be looking for when they're looking to hire people? I think that, uh, I think you want to look for four things. And of course, I come from a, from a, from a sales perspective. So, um, we can modify this as you will for other people in an organization. But I, I think that there are really four things when you're, when you're looking at salespeople that uh, you need to look at what I call the four fits. And that's F I T S fits. Uh, the one is the job fit, you know, so do their core sales competencies match up with the job that they are applying for? So if you're looking for somebody then that needs to be good at maintaining and growing existing uh, relationships that your company already has with existing accounts and customers and everything like that. Uh, that's really important that you look for somebody that has those skills to be able to do that. Uh, if you're looking for somebody who's a new business hunter, who's just going to come in and you know, br generate the initial sale and then turn them over to somebody like that, that's not nearly as important. But then other factors you know, are at play that they need to be really good at prospecting. They really need to be assertive and determined. They need to have a high resilience factor. And so uh, it really depends. And then, of course, if you're in marketing, that's, that's, that's a different skill set. Just, so, so just as a salesperson has a different skill set than a trainer does or a trainer than, than another position in a company, the same thing then, then applies then to sales but also applies across, across the gamut, job pit. So, again, going back to sales, uh, resilience is something that uh, you know, is one of those things that is really critically important, though, that a lot of people, though, tend to overlook. Uh, when they're hiring for a, a salesperson. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's like what we surveyed uh, about 725 sales managers of five salespeople or more on their team. And we asked them, we gave them a list of 25 different uh, characteristics, you know, said, what do you look for you know, w when you're hiring for a position? Pick the top 10. And the ones that they picked most often was number one, they're looking for problem solvers, which is very important these days because that's, you know, it's, it's our job to identify problems and then try to solve those problems uh, and, that, and get them to spend money doing it. Uh, confidence is number two. Uh, having a positive attitude, being optimistic is number three. And really, it's like, I would actually dare say that really should be number one because attitude is everything. Uh, do they I take totally initiative? Totally agree. Totally agree on that one. Takes initiative is number four and time management's number five. And one of the things that I thought was striking to me is like there were five traits though that really, you know, we have been able to correlate with the most successful salespeople that didn't make th that list. And the number one thing is curiosity. And, you know, uh, we want people then to be curious about 
our customers and their customers' customers and how they use their products and um, where they fit into the big equation and understand how the uh, business works so that they can uh, you know, become uh, create some impact, some positive impact there. Uh, they need to be courageous, and 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 maybe courageous is a, a better word to use for that is boldness. So we're not talking about someone who's willing to, um, you know, to fight off a lion or, or or climb Mount Everest or anything like that. We're really talking about someone who's willing to, to be bold enough. Then that, you know, if the decision maker is somebody other than the person you're talking to, who's who we invested a long time into building that friendship with. That you're not afraid then to, to you know to ask them to to speak to the decision maker for fear that oh you know I, I might offend this person and upset them, um, you know that, that if the decision maker is the CEO that you know you're courageous enough to pick up the phone you know and, and call the CEO. Resilience is number three because I see a lot of this. You you you've heard a lot about a lot of stories about the most salespeople that they quit after one or two calls or emails or. Uh, forms of communication, and that's pretty true. And also, when they're told no, it's like okay, they take it as a no and they move on to something else. When you know, with a little bit more digging, they could have found that the no means not right now, or you know, uh, you're not the problem to this particular solution. Uh, but you might have a different. Uh, you might have the, the ideal solution to another problem that they might have down the road. But the, but a lot of salespeople give up on that account. Uh, empathy is number four, and we get, I know this gets talked a lot about in training circles, and it's also very true you know, in sales because all decisions are made emotionally and backed up logically, and so if you're not in tune, if you don't have high emotional uh, intelligence and you don't have a lot of self-awareness, uh, you could be off-putting a lot of prospects without even knowing it. And you also then fail to make an emotional connection where if another salesperson is capable of doing that, guess who's going to, who's more likely to make the sale. And the fifth thing though, that strikes me that it's not any higher than it's only 59% of sales managers rank this in their top 10, which is coachability. Now, you know, I don't have to tell you given, you know, your area of expertise, Evan, that, uh, you know, if, if you're not coachable, then, then the, the person that you're hiring, it's like that's as good as they're gonna get. You know, if their mind is closed off, or or if they're so dug into their their belief system, uh, or their motivations and everything like that, that you know their behaviors are never gonna change based on new things that they pick up in training because they're just not open to hearing it or considering it. And you know, coachability is really important because you know we there could be no development. You're wasting a lot of time in coaching. You're wasting a lot of time in training if you have somebody then who's just not coachable. And I'm really stunned that only 59% actually ranked that in the top 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I used to always say that I had one non-negotiable, which attitude. I added the other non-negotiable, which is coachability. And Smart. The, the one question I always ask people is, so what book have you read about your profession to help you get better? And just stunned at how many people have like, you know, if they're looking for sales job, if they're like, have read no books, you know, yeah. have you managed? no books. Have you ever read a book? No, no books. And, you know, and, you know, occasionally I now get, well, I'm listening to this podcast or I'm listening to that podcast. And that, that's the same as reading books, but so many people are not investing in themselves and improving themselves. It, it, it's scary. Um, and, and as a hiring manager, I would look at that and say, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, then why should I invest in you? 
Yeah. So let me so, ask you a question that I think um, plagues a lot of businesses, and, and that is that they they tend to hire people that have done the job in their industry before mm -hmm. because they don't have the ability to actually train people. So my argument, or you know, here let me pose it as a question rather than a statement is, mm -hmm. Is it better to hire a seasoned person who has a lot of experience in your industry that maybe isn't scoring as high in those five traits? Or is it better to hire somebody that scores really high in those five important traits to you, but doesn't have any product knowledge or, or direct knowledge, maybe tangential knowledge, but not direct knowledge? So you've got to do a lot of product training, which is I easier, would, product training or skills training? Well, That's obviously, product training is, is definitely easier than skills training, especially when we're talking about soft skills. So, uh, but I would say that it, the, the only time in my mind is it acceptable to hire somebody who's more experienced but, but that does not possess high curiosity, empathy, resilience, boldness, and coachability is that if you can't train you know, if you can't train them, it's like, you know, then you need to hire the best. What you're hiring is what you're going to get. And that's all you're ever going to get. That's the best of what you're going to get. And that's the only time where I would find that, that that's acceptable. But it's like, you know, if you can't train a new salesperson or you can't train a new person on what your company does and why it's important and how it's used and the impact it has on society and how it makes people's lives better, um, you're never going to be able to sell it. You know, so it's like if you... I just, I just think the product training is like you have to go back and, and evaluate why are you in business? What is, why did the company start? What is its missions and values? What is the purpose of the company? Start there, and then you can take, translate that then to the, the products and services. I don't, I, I think with some forethought and some, some, you know, someone who's moderately good at instructional design, it shouldn't be difficult then to hire somebody then who does not have that experience. Uh, but has possesses all those other traits because here's here's how I look at it. Uh, their resume indicates where they've been, uh, but it's their mindset that that reveals where they're going. And you're not, and past performance is not indicative of future success. Just because they were successful at another job, in another company, with a different manager and a different culture, doesn't mean that when they come to your company with your manager and your culture selling your product line that they're they're going to be equally successful. So, you know, that's in the past, that's backward looking, and you need to be more forward looking and think about someone who, who has the great attitude, great coachability, uh, the resilience and the empathy then has a much stronger chance of being developed into the salesperson, for example, that you're looking for or any position that you're looking for uh, when combined with the proper onboarding procedure and, and good training and then followed up with developmental coaching after that. I, t I, to I totally agree with you. And, and I find that the more experienced, or maybe I'm trying to avoid saying the older, so I'll just say it. I find the older people are, the harder it is for them to be coachable on skill, on, on soft skills, you know, like attitude, you know, uh, you know just younger people, you, you have a hope. But mm -hmm. the older someone is, the more ingrained their personality traits are. So it, it, to me, I think, you know, the five traits you're talking about, train people on product. It's easy. Mm -hmm. train, train people on your methodology of selling. It's easy. 
But now let's go to the real question, which is, how do you figure out people have these traits? And I, I think another way to look at it is, uh, is that Jim Rohn, uh, the late great Jim Rohn, uh, once said that philo philosophy drives attitude, that attitude drives actions, and actions drive results. And I think if you work it backwards, it's like, well, you know the results that you want. That's what you're hiring for. It's, it's no different than when somebody, uh, when somebody uh, buys your product. They're not buying your product. They're actually buying what the product can do for, for them. And so you're hiring you know, with a set of results in mind. So uh, you have to then take a look at not, you know, if you want those results, you want to improve results, you have to change behavior. If you want to improve the behavior, you've got to change your attitude or your motivation. And if you want to improve your attitude and motivation, then you, then you actually have to change your core values a little bit. And the neat thing about that is, is that through analytics, we can measure core values we can measure motivation. We can measure you know, natural behavioral tendencies. Uh, and all those things then drive results. So, uh, you know, as, as managers, we tell managers when they're coaching then is to, you know, work that, work that quote backwards. But if we're looking at hiring, then we need to look at looking at that forward. Uh, we know the results that we're hiring for. It's not a position that we're hiring for. It's results we're hiring for. And... Let's take a look at those three things that, that, lead, that are lead indicators of actually generating those results. So, you know, you're the, the founder and CEO of SalesFuel. Tell us about SalesFuel and what you, what you guys do. Well, SalesFuel is, is a company that we leverage critical insights uh, to, to help you land your best employees and your best customers and to be able to keep them and develop them and grow them. And so... We look at sales fuel as being really what drives the engine of, of a company, which you know, sales drives, drives companies because that's where the money comes from that uh, the rest of the company needs to function. And what fuels the sales department is people and intelligence. And, you know, what I'm talking about here today is I'm talking about intelligence about people, you know, your people, your, your, your future people. And uh, that's where it all come, comes into play because salespeople have to be great gatherers of knowledge about the customer or about the prospect, not only about the company, but also about the human being who is the buyer on the other side of the desk or other, on the other end of the phone or uh, on the recipient of the email. And, you know, I think that that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking to salespeople about. It's like, you know, they're all about their sales process and honing their sales process. And uh, really, we like to focus on making the salespeople better. As, as well as, as the process. And that also means that the salespeople have to look at the buyer also as people. And so, you know, when we were talking about the, the, the four fits earlier, and I mentioned job fit was number one, manager fits number two, because uh, you've read all the studies showing why you know, that, that people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. And, you know, you have to be coachable, you have to be highly accountable and all those things uh, to be able to work well with the manager. And of course, company fit is, is another, there's a third fit, but the fourth fit in this particular case is buyer fit. And that's where the empathy and the social awareness comes into, into play, uh, professionalism, the, the social proof. And, uh, and the other thing is, is that both with the manager, but the other thing throughout all four of them is toxicity. And if you have somebody who is naturally toxic to other, to other people on the staff, meaning, and I def define toxic as they make other people around them worse, not better. 
um, they run through all four fits, job fit, manager fit, buyer fit, and, and company fit. And, uh, you know, so we have to really look at all four of those. And that's, but that's buyer fit definitely fits in there. You know, as I, I listen to you, I hear, because you mentioned it earlier, but I'm hearing a little nuance here and there. Let's talk about emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that to me is a huge attribute of, of, of a great salesperson, for that matter, anybody in an organization. Uh, benefits by it. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys identify it, understand it? Meet, I mean, what I mean, understand it. Understand. How do you know that a person has good emotional intelligence skills, and how do you train for it? Well, I think we we, we look at uh, we go back then to, to the core values and about how we measure that, and we we take a look about um, their beliefs about people about task and, and ideas about people and task. And so a task in a sales situation, of course, is making a sales call. A task in a training situation is conducting a class and, and, and doing certifications and the like. And, uh, and, of course, it's all about the people. So if you're interacting a lot with people, uh, that becomes critically important. But the, but the two people that we, we want to measure, we want to take a look at, is their, their attitudes and beliefs about themselves number one and then everybody else number two and it, it, it all kind of stems from there that if someone has uh, you could have issues if someone has very high self-esteem and very low self-esteem you might actually find some of the most toxic people actually have low self-esteem and they are their behavior their consistent behaviors then are acting as a mask for that low self-esteem or in some way validating low self-esteem or fighting low self-esteem. Uh, you know, so you might, you might mistake certain toxic behaviors as someone being high, you know, thinking very highly of themselves and on their high horse and everything like that, when the reality of it, they're just masking actually just the opposite. So it's their, their beliefs about themselves, but it's also their beliefs about other people. And you know, do they have distortions where they um, don't value the positive things about other people as much, or do they overvalue the negative things about other people? Well, you know, that's not going to cause them to have a great attitude when dealing with other people or making decisions about other people. And that's going to cause them to have lower EQ. Uh, the other thing we take a look at is, is social awareness. And uh, to that end, you know, again, that's all about themselves as well, but also, you know, what their job is and what their role in the world is. We take a look at, we take a look at things of that nature so that uh, they understand that their actions have, have a reaction and they're able to think uh, more like a chess player than, than a checkers player and understanding that their reactions or their actions have reactions. And, you know, they want to have positive reactions not negative reactions. And so we take, we take a look at that as well. And then uh, the other two things are about task and ideas about task and people. And uh, if you are so dug in, particularly on uh, outward, outward looking, you know, we're talking about other people now. Uh, if you're so dug in on, on your attitudes and beliefs about uh, how things need to be done, how, you know, how things should be done in, in your mind, as opposed to how they could be done, or if you're so dug in on you know you, you know you have certain philosophies and beliefs about you know, about things, uh, then you're going to be harder to coach and, and train and actually have a little bit lower EQ. So going back to what you were talking about with age, it's that well, you know, I don't I think we're roughly about the same age. I'm I'm a you know one of the older Gen Xers, 
And, you know, when we came to work, it's like if the boss didn't say anything to you, that was a good thing. That, it's like you were, you were keeping your nose clean, you were out of trouble. And nowadays, if your boss doesn't say anything to you, what's wrong? Is he mad at me? It's like, does she not care about me? I mean, it's, 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 it's a totally different... Completely you know, different mindset. A, a, a different mindset about, of, of ideas about people and tasks. And so um, the more dug in you are you know, on those, then you know, the, less, you know, the less you're able to be coached. Interested in Tortle's learning management system? Why not try it for free today? Tortle is offering a free LMS for up to 25 users. With Tortle's easy-to-use self-authoring tool and free quick start guide, you'll have courses up in no time. Sign up today and you'll experience one of the easiest-to-use LMSs in the marketplace today. To learn more, visit tortle.com forward slash LMS. Let's just talk about results for a second. I mean, you work with clients. Can you maybe share with us, maybe uh, not mentioning the client's name, but sort of like a, a case study or example of, of how, you know, your company's been able to make an impact? Yeah, I, I think it's one of the most interesting stories that we have is actually, you know, not with true salespeople. Uh, it, it's that we've got a, a very large client if I mention the name, you know, you might know who they were, especially if you're of our age, though, and you've had to investigate elder care uh, of, of home health care services. And they have nurses that, you know, actually provide the services. And there are their clients, the customers, the patients in this case, might need be in need of additional services. But the nurses, if you will, did not feel totally comfortable in actually sharing that. And so what's happened is, is that with some, you know, a different form of sales training, we were actually able, and also hiring a different type of person to actually come be the nurse to provide these services. So we, uh, and nurses are typically, typically pretty good at EQ stuff. Uh, so we definitely look for that, but we also look for some of the other traits that we, that we talked about. And what we're able to do is um, these nurses, when they were able to identify needs that the, that the, that the patient had you know, for additional services, we were able then to feel comfortable enough to actually suggest and recommend those services. And we've actually seen a tremendous increase in sales uh, of that particular client. Again, not teaching them to be hard sales or anything like that. Basically, all we're trying to do is teach humans to, to help other humans. And that's, to me, what the essence of sales is all about. And, uh, but, but not a hard sale. It's not like they've got a quota or they've got you know, a, a product of the month that they've got to push or anything like that because I don't believe that's actually truly effective in sales to begin with. But a lot of people do it. And a lot of people have that attitude of what, that's what sales does. Uh, when ideally sales is about help, it, allowing people to be human and, and, and to help other human beings. It's interesting you say that because at, at Tortal, we just made that a major initiative. We, just said, we said to everybody, no matter who you are, you're, uh, you're on, the, on the development team. You know, you're, you're, you're not, you're, you know, your role might not be to close a client, but it's, it's actually going back to what you said earlier. It's curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, what, you know, what are things happening at your company? What, are, what is going on? It's listening for the potential for other business to then share that with the learning development team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you might think 
that people would be, well, that's not my job, but they actually were excited mm -hmm. um, to see that they could contribute in other ways. That's exactly right. And it's, it's, it's amazing, I think, that we sometimes don't realize and utilize, you know, everybody for, for, for all their amazing things. And um, the other thing, too, it's like whether you're talking about product trainers or you're talking about uh, customer success people, something like that, or you're talking about data geeks, if they can identify uh, something that is needed and they're the ones to bring it up, not the salesperson, they never see you coming. I mean, yeah. so the, the, the guard is always up a little bit when they're dealing with a salesperson. Oh, that's what this guy going to try to sell me today. Uh, not so much if you're a data geek or, you know, if you're a trainer or anything like that. It's like, you know, it's like their guard is down and, you know, you're not super slick or anything like that, which is also great. And, uh, you know, they can truly feel like you're being authentic, you know, whereas there's always that little seed of doubt when they're talking to a salesperson. Yeah, you're, 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 to you're totally right. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting to the last part where, you know, we, we ask you, you know, if you have an offer to the, to the listeners, and then, of course, we end with what's your one tip. Um, so do you have an offer for our listeners? We do. It's like we, we do a very comprehensive profile uh, of salespeople. And if you're not in the sales, that's okay, too, because it's like, you know, you can, you know, don't worry about how you score on the sales part, but, but the other part is really fantastic. And, you know, this is a profile that we do, it, and it, it costs about $395, and we're willing to offer it to you for free. All you got to do is you got to come to our, our website, <clears throat> which is salesfuel.com slash hire, and uh, there'll be a free trial offer there, and as you have to log in with your LinkedIn address, and uh, which means you're only allowed to do it once, but... Uh, you'll be able to take the full battery uh, of assessment. There are four different assessments that we do that actually build the profile. And, you know, we'll actually show you, you know, what that looks like. And you'll be able to see that, yeah, this can be used not only for sales, but also other things. And there are other tools out there that are free and there are hiring, there are jobs, you know, job advertising places or whatever that are, are claiming now to be into assessments and like that. And they're very lightweight versions of this, this kind of thing. So it's, I, I kind of have a, compare them to like a cosmopolitan quiz um, you know, it, from the magazine. And, uh, you know, this is very comprehensive stuff. And uh, it, it might be fun just for you to just to profile yourself or profile somebody else then who you might maybe, if you can get them to take it, somebody who you might have difficulty relating to or making a connection with. Uh, we've, we've had people, you know, also you know, use it then to, to tell them more about their spouses and things like that, which is, which is always fun, but it has to be a two-way dialogue. Uh, otherwise, it could be that could be a little dangerous. But yeah, we're not we're not giving marital advice. No, <laughs> hell no, we're not doing that. <laughs> First of all, I, we, I, we have to be experts in that. But I, I'm I'm very intrigued. And what and and uh, salesfuel.com slash slash hire h i r e h i r and we also encourage you to pick up our ebook then, which is 13 types of toxic salespeople and how to avoid them. Cause it's like from the toxicity, you know, for example, the drama llama, someone who always needs to be stirring up drama because they have, they have a the inherent need for that. And we actually go into the, into details of, of what that need is and, uh, and how you can identify that type of person during the hiring process. Uh, you don't want to hire that person because they eat up a lot of the manager's time uh, and, and dealing with the drama of the day, and, uh, and instead of spending that time coaching, developing uh, other employees, or, or working on you know the strategic things that managers really should be doing, and you know that's one of the thir 
thing is, and that's nowhere near actually the, the most toxic of the bunch, but it's like, there's a great ebook there, uh, which is, uh, is part of, a, of an overall book that, that I'll be coming out with here later in, in 2020, uh, on that particular topic of, of toxic salespeople and how to avoid hiring them. And, uh, yeah, that's a free offer as well. Just, you just don't, you just put in your name and uh, email address and a couple bits of other uh, bits of information. I think your company as well. And, uh, we'll give that to you for free. Well, it's a great offer. Uh, I am, I am going to be, uh, taking, taking advantage of it. Um, we don't have time, so I'm not asking this question, but I'm going to give you in your book. It'd be great if you talk about how to get rid of them, not just how to hire them. That's a separate book. That's a yeah. whole separate book because the best way to get rid of them, of course, is to not hire them. So I'm starting with that one there, but you already, you already hit on the second book, which yeah. is... Uh, well, well yeah. it's difficult when they, have, they do a lot of business. You know, and this is the failure I've made a lot of times. is toxic personality, high-performing personality. Oh, yeah. And you know, you're, you're like addicted. Like, I'm going to let you answer the question because... That we, 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 we teased it too much. What you, what you got to look for there, yeah, what you got to look for there is not only, yeah, this, this particular guy or gal, whatever, let's say, has good performance, but you also then have to take a look at how the performance of everyone else on the sales team is being harmed, and you, you want to take a look at the results of others on the sales team. And what you may find is, is that others on the sales team have stagnated or, you know, or maybe have slid back a little bit. And what's the cost of that? And then you also have to take a look at how much of the, if you brought in a different person than who wasn't toxic, uh, didn't have one of these 13 personality types. And it's like, well, how much business could they do? And then take a look at uh, the, also uh, consider then the amount of time that is being spent uh, by, by management and by other people then dealing with or, or working around this, this, this toxic personality. And what that does to the culture of the company. Take a look at your retention rate. If you start to see people, you know, more people leaving than they, they have in the past, there's a tremendous expense there. All those types of things need to be brought into consideration. And eventually, you'll, you'll probably find that one of two things will happen. That, that, that performer then will, will think so highly of themselves and become so frustrated with either your incompetence or uh, the company or something like that, that they'll move on and, and they'll go, go by themselves. That's the best thing that can happen to you. Uh, or you might find that, that you're going to have to make the decision, difficult decision then to uh, dismiss them from the company. And that, get, that can get a little tricky because it's much easier to hire people than it is to fire them these days. And uh, we highly encourage that you don't go it alone, that, that, that you use the HR resources and the HR people that you have. If not that, then, then, then reach out to employment law experts and uh, make sure that you're, you're, you're doing everything right because that, that, that can be a very dangerous situation. All good points. Uh, terrific guest. I'm going to end with, if you have one tip, what would that one tip be for our listeners? If I have one tip when you're hiring salespeople is that normally when we have a conversation, uh, you know, whether it be with somebody new or, or a colleague or something like that, we're taught to always assume positive intent and that they have the best interest at heart uh, until we you know, know otherwise. But that's the assumption that you should make. When you're in the process of hiring a salesperson, however, salespeople can be good liars. <laughs> now, the best salespeople don't need to lie. Okay, but salespeople can be good liars. So my advice is to have your guard up 
assume that they're telling you a lie or in the, to, to some extent it's an exaggeration and verify, verify, verify. Uh, and that's where, you know, our assessments with sales fuel hire come into play because it gives you another set of eyes than to verify that who they say they are actually is who they are, or maybe it's not. And then if they tell you that they landed this big account <clears throat> all by themselves or something like that is you can do a little bit of digging to find out, did they really land this big account or, you know, did it happen by circumstance or was, was somebody else responsible for it? Uh, and then, you know, to look at other things like uh, you know, when they tell you that, oh, this, this gap in employment, well, it's like because they, they landed this big consulting contract and they were doing it on their own and everything like that, you know, do a little Google search to actually find out, gee, it's like, you know, was there an employment announcement? It's like, hey, we just brought on this great new salesperson or something like that. Oh, and you might, you might conveniently find that, uh, you know, jobs that have been left off of their LinkedIn account and left off of the resumes and everything like that to make themselves look better. And, and they fill the gaps with consulting or freelancing or something like that. It's one of the tricks that people use these days. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it assume nothing and, you know, take nothing at face value when, when you're hiring a salesperson. I know it sounds cold. Uh, yeah, and it's, a, again, it's not what we're taught to do in dealing with colleagues and, and other people that we know and we, that we work with, but you really have to do it when you're hiring because, um, uh, you're trying to put your best foot forward to them and they're trying to put their best foot forward to you. And, you know, if you're not careful, you could get a, a salesperson that, that is lying through their teeth and the best sales job they'll ever do is the one that they're snowing you on during that interview. And you'll never see that person again once you hire them. You know, that's always the thing that has amazed me is I've always, I've, I've, I've had the experience where someone wowed me in an interview, you know, asked me great open-ended questions and, and, and did everything a good salesperson is supposed to do in the process. And then you hire them, and it's like, where did this person go? Mm -hmm. um, and, and on a very good tip. Um, I want to thank you, uh, Lee, for being on the show. I want to thank our listeners uh, for staying with us to the end. Uh, a lot of great nuggets here. Thank you very much. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.